Okay, I want to start today's show by asking you a question. At what point is hockey not hockey? At what point is hockey not hockey? We're going to talk in the open here a little bit about change and the game changing and the game evolving. And it comes off of a direct message I got from someone who goes by the handle Market Manager Mike the Ginger Jackhammer. Market Manager Mike, the Ginger Jackhammer. If that is indeed your real name, Market Manager Mike, the Ginger Jackhammer, at M Manager Mike. Pretty safe that your name is Mike. He submits this one. This is interesting. Uh, hi, Jeff, and future Jeff, a.k.a. Matt Marchese. It's catching on. It's been stuck in my head for a while now with possible expansions into warmer climates for new NHL franchises and the growth of outdoor games. Is it time to start having the conversation about hockey not being played on ice anymore? I know this is something you spoke of in the past with Elliot and he thought it was a bad idea. Trademark Elliot Friedman. Anytime you hear it, that's a bad idea. Trademark Elliot Friedman. But ice does present a number of issues for outdoor games. Now is the time to change to help grow the game of hockey. Also, shout out to my cousin Mike McPhee, who's the reason I'm a fan of hockey and the Montreal Canadiens Go Habs Go. Well, market manager Mike, the ginger jackhammer, if that is indeed your real name. Uh, I've thought about this a lot. I've talked about this a lot. Usually it's to a chorus of what Elliot said. That's a bad idea. Move on. But what it does is I think it um, it moves forward the question, what is hockey? And when is hockey not hockey? Like there's, all, there's, a, there's a lot of assumptions that we have about this game, either the way it's played or what it is at its core. Uh, and what are the things that are necessary to still allow this game to qualify as hockey? Now, I've always felt that part of the attraction of hockey originally, so we're going back to the the late 1800s, probably eh, mid to late 1800s. How about that? It's sort of tough to pinpoint an exact spot where this whole thing started. It's kind of like history. When did this event start? Well, you got to go back 20 years and actually got to go back 30 years and 40 and two more generations. And then maybe that event began. I've always felt that part of the attraction of hockey originally was it winked at nature. If you look at the origins of the game, the beginning of the game, of course, always played outdoors. It was water, it was wood, it was wind, it was sun. Now, it was frozen water, but it was water. And the lure of walking on water, or in this case for this sport, skating on water, it's pretty attractive. Now that's artificial and controlled as the game moved indoors. Uh, The sticks were made of wood. The pucks were made originally of wood as well. Um, Wind, it was outdoors and it was cold. That was part of the attraction. Now it's all moved indoors and it's very temperature controlled inside where we still call this thing hockey. And by the way, to the point about the sticks, composite composite technology changed everything. And the other part was sun. You, uh, You played when the sun was out because you couldn't otherwise. It was too dark. You needed the authority of light. Now... You need the authority of LED floodlights to play. But we still call this thing hockey because it still winks at natural elements. It still winks at water, at wood, at wind, at sun as well. 
But if you look at things like even the dimensions of the rink, and these were standardized in 2930 uh, when the NHL said, okay, it's got to be 200 by 85. Before that, it was 112 by 58. That was the sort of beginnings of all of it, standardized later by the NHL. But even then, two rinks, Boston and Chicago, had smaller rinks. Buffalo came around in 1970 and said, can we get a mulligan on this one? Can you look the other way? Because our rink isn't the 200 by 85, but don't you love the odd? Players used to play seven aside. We all love talking about the Rover, don't we? Um, Equipment has changed over time. That is plentiful, and we don't have enough time to get into it here. Rules have changed. Penalties have changed. Everything has kind of changed here, except the presence of this thing being played on ice. And the change that the NHL has always seen, I've always said it's like the, the boiling frog in the pot, right? You just turn it up one degree and then leave it and say, oh, we barely changed this thing. Oh, it's barely up one degree. And then you move it up one degree more. And then you move it up one degree more. Small, tiny, incremental changes. And then you look back and you say, holy smokes, this thing is profoundly different than when it was at the beginning. From what we saw then, even things like face-offs, when there wasn't even a drop. There was just a puck on the ice and an official with a bell or something indicating start. The game has continued to change. And I think market manager Mike, the ginger jackhammer, brings up an interesting point. Is it time now, as we've most recently been talking about Atlanta and Houston and talked about outdoor games and where they can go and the challenges of ice in the sun, in the warmth, maybe it is time that we at least start to have the conversation about the game not being played on ice anymore or maybe just some outdoor games not being played on ice anymore. And then it does beg the question, is that a line that you're not willing to cross? At that point, is it no longer hockey, but some other thing? I'm going to ask Elliot about this one more time and see if he's thought more about this stance. Elliot Friedman on the other side from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Welcome to the Jeff Merrick Show. Here we go. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. With Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, I got a uh, direct message from uh, market manager Mike the Ginger Jackhammer this morning, Elliot, if that is indeed his real name. <laughs> I'm betting it's not, but you know, it could be close. <laughs> I'd love to see that one on a driver's license or a birth certificate. Uh, what would you like to name this child, ma'am? Uh, market manager Mike the Ginger Jackhammer. Um, so, That's my you know, new nickname it's an, for it's you. It's an interesting... Okay, I'll I'll co-opt it from Mike and I'll I'll delete uh, him off of all of my social media so I can't say that I'm ripping him off. So he DMs me and talks about this idea of, you know, should we at least now entertain the conversation of no longer respecting the authority of ice as an integral part of what makes hockey? And I think it's a huge discussion. Like, how do you, I mean, how you define hockey is different than me, than Maddie, than David Amber, than Cassie Campbell, Pascal, than, than anybody. But... Are you willing now to have the conversation about maybe, and maybe you just do it for outdoor games in the South? I don't know. But where are you at with the idea of removing the authority of ice as an integral part of capital H hockey? Well, this is not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. It's like, I have to say, so this is an argument for other people, not me, uh, Jeff. But I, I do remember having a long conversation with Darcy Regeer when he was the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, about how he envisioned that someday down the road, 
hockey would be played on synthetic ice. That it was only a matter of time. And, you know, it's, there were a lot of things he talked about. There was cost. Um, There was global warming, I think. Um, And, you know, the other thing he talked about, and I actually think this is a really smart thing. Uh, Like there were times uh, I would, McGear and I had a couple of really interesting conversations because he was the guy who used to come to, I think a lot of the meetings with different ideas like he was the guy who proposed yes. that if the puck hit the netting, you just play it and uh, like arena yeah. football. And the reason that didn't happen was because they were worried that people would uh, flip the puck off the netting and while defense and waited for it to come down, the defense would get destroyed. So they didn't <laughs> want that. Um, but he would come up with a lot of those ideas. Um, you know, Regeer, he said that one of the reasons he didn't like, uh, one of the reasons he think we had to think about it was the Sabres would get complaints from their fans like, okay, so, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't think it was complaining, but he had conversation with his fans about, like, if you go deep into the playoffs, your fans come to the game in shorts and a T-shirt, and your building's freezing, right? And he's like, mm-hmm. our fans are telling us that, like, because I don't want anyone to use this against Buffalo fans. I don't think this is like a negative thing against Sabres fans. But he was like, it's a good point. Like, your customers are coming to, like, they have to bring, like, a winter jacket to your games because it's so humid outside <laughs> and you've got to refrigerate yeah. your building. And so I remember him telling me once that um, he thought the day was going to come. And I asked him if he invested in synthetic ice because he thought about it so much. He kind of just smiled and didn't <laughs> say anything. But, I, I, you know, and Jeff, like, I do think the day will come. Things evolve. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That is interesting, too, about the idea of showing up in shorts and flops and being comfortable with the game. Um, we've talked about this before. One of the... One of the great arguments in hockey is never talked about, and that is the argument between, you know, the general manager and the team president over the thermometer and yeah. what is the right temperature for your building. The team president wants to make sure that people, you know, that pay a lot of money to see these games can be comfortable when they go to watch those games. And the general manager and the coach and the players, etc., they want it cold because they want the best possible ice conditions. And there's yeah. a fight. Like they they'll they'll fight over, you know the the, the tiniest budge, the tiniest nudge on the thermometer. Um, you know, one wants great ice and the other wants a great customer experience, and you yep. try to find that middle ground on the thermometer where it actually works. I think the point about cost is a huge one. Yeah, I really do. Like it is expensive, especially at the NHL. It is expensive to do this. And the other thing that I've always wondered about, and maybe you can say, well, football is kind of like this, but in what other sport, Elliot, does the playing surface deteriorate as you play on it throughout a period or a quarter? That's the thing I've always wondered about with hockey. Like you're playing on a surface that gets worse and worse and worse. As the game, as the period goes on, certainly there's a flood and it cleans it all up, and you're good for the next. But in what other sport do you play on where the surface you're playing gets compromised as that as that as that play goes on? And you see it like did you watch Did you watch the Super Bowl me, you know? this year? 
No, I get it. Like that that's what I'm talking about. They're they're but like, it, did, football it can, wasn't like, intentional, but that thing. happened. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, you can't imagine that happening in basketball. They'd nope. be like, Nope, we gotta stop. We gotta we got we gotta we gotta fix this. Like there there's no way. And I've always sort of wondered about that one. Like it is it is for a a deeper, more philosophical question, because I got a whole bunch of ideas about, you know, at, at what point, if you're just exchanging power plays, is it still hockey? But we'll mm-hmm. park that for another day. But interesting, and, and thank you for that one. Market manager Mike the Ginger Jackhammer, if that is indeed your real name, <laughs> for submitting that one today. Uh, okay, a couple of things. Um, Karol Kaprizov last night in that Minnesota-Winnipeg Jets game. I didn't have a problem with how Logan Stanley hit slash fell on him. To me, that is hockey with bodies moving and getting in unique positions with one another. Um, Sometimes deliberate, that leads to a penalty, sometimes accidental because hockey plus speed plus ice plus big bodies, these types of things can happen. What did you make of that incident and what did you make of the Minnesota-Winnipeg game last night? Well, first of all, I don't think it was a dirty play by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I think Kaprizov was trying to establish position and reverse hit. And because he's hit a bigger guy who was skating towards him, uh, it, he fell on him. And uh, it's not even a blame the victim yeah. thing. It's just the way the whole thing unfolded. I think, it's, I think it's really unfortunate. And I don't think it's ever good when critical players get hurt right before the playoffs. Like, I don't think anybody wants to see that, but I don't think that was a blown call or like a a foul or anything like that. Like if a referee would have made that call in the moment, like just because it happened at whatever, at real speed, I would have understood, but like, I don't think that's supplemental discipline or anything like that. It's, it's an accident and it's a, it's a really unfortunate accident. Mm. Um, uh, I know like, there's no update yet from the Wild. I, I sent a note in this morning. Obviously, they haven't said anything yet. Uh, I I know that there were people who saw them last night as they were leaving Winnipeg, and the, the, the phrase they used was concerned, but I think that would be normal with anybody. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I hope, I hope it's not that bad. I thought the Jets played really well last night. Fleury had a great game. He beat them. And, uh, you know, I all of a sudden, like, you know, Calgary's four points out. The math there favors the Jets. But the wild one for me is that all of a sudden Nashville is six points back with four games in hand. Now, I think that's a really tall order for the Predators. Um, and, you know, they, they like the Ottawa, they've, yeah, they've got no margin for error. But I, I think this has become like a closer shave than the Jets would have liked. This isn't... Uh, this isn't. I don't think they envision themselves here, and I don't think they're very comfortable with where they are. You see, here, here's the thing. So I was thinking the same thing last night after that thing wraps up. They double them up for two Minnesota wins, and Marc-Andre Fleury, to your point, was great with 46 saves. Um, I kind of look at Winnipeg and think the same thing. If they do fall out of it and it doesn't end up happening, playoffs, that is, for the Winnipeg Jets... How much does that profoundly change their offseason given the number of expiring contracts? Like, I'm still very much of the belief that they huge. get in the playoffs and, 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 they, and they do something that it's, let's take one more run at it next year. But if they don't get in and do anything this year, how much does that change for Kevin Shevel Dayoff? Uh, 
Um, I, I think it changes a lot. I, I think it does because, you know, suddenly you start to look at it and say, like, and again, I, I don't always like hypotheticals. You know, they, they, the odds still, the, their math is still good. It still favors them. And, you know, God only knows what can happen when you get in. And, I, and, I, and like I said, I thought they played really well tonight. But if you're in a situation where you, you know, you've missed the playoffs and, in back-to-back seasons, you have to make some hard decisions, especially where the contracts are. Like, I, I do think the Jets and the Canadians have occasionally talked about Dubois and sometimes more seriously than others. Um, but obviously, yeah. he's still there. But, you know, I mean, that's something you can plan to the summer. I don't think you really have to answer this now. But, you know, it's, okay, it's, 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 it's a bit more nerve-wracking Jeff, for them, and I think they all thought it was going to be. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, I want to get on to Vancouver here, um, and I want to ask your thoughts on on Rick Tockett and this version of the Vancouver Canucks and JT Miller front and center yesterday. They beat the Anaheim Ducks 3-2. Miller with the overtime winner. he fired that thing. Like, there's, there's no other way that just like oh, yeah. JT Miller got all of that puck. Kuzmenko scores again. He's now got 30, 30 goals. Eight, now that he has an interpreter. I know. Like, Kuzmenko with 30. He's a great interview. He's trading sticks for bananas with kids and doing great, you know, great interviews afterward, like with, the, with, his, with his newfound translator, but, um, uh, Kratzoff there. Your thoughts on what we're seeing from the Vancouver Canucks and Thatcher Demko real good uh, mm-hmm. again. Uh, your thoughts on what we're seeing with this Rick Tockett-led Vancouver Canucks squad? Well, I think you can start to see the change in in attitude. There's there's no question about that. And I know that there's you know there's people like these wins are not good. Like just fold the tents and go for Bedard. Um, but you know you 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 have to teach you have to teach attitude, right? And uh, like um, <laughs> you know I, I I think we all wondered what would happen after the coaching change in Vancouver. Um, you know, the, the, the players there clearly liked Boudreaux as a person. Uh, the story he told about, they gave him the WWE belt on, on his last game as a coach so he could have yeah. it when he left. Um, you always wonder, yeah. okay, you know, what happens when uh, a, a popular guy is out, especially under the circumstances that it happened? And I think we're starting to get our answer here. I, you know, the thing for me is that I always believe that the best of the best at anything they, they want to get better. They want somebody in charge who's going to be committed to making them better that they think has a lucid plan and, and they know where they're going. And, you know, the one thing for me, it's pretty clear here that Tockett, um, you know, he's, he's a pretty simple guy to play for, I think. He say, he's, he's like, I want you to play hard. I want you to compete. And we'll work from there. And uh, I think that, you know, the, the Canucks players are clearly like the message. Like, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, I, I was talking, I was talking to somebody after the deadline was over, and they're like, the, I think the players there feel the only negative thing about the deadline is over is that they still know that this could be like some 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 wild stuff could happen in the summer. Like they'll see where this goes, but mm. I think they're enjoying not having to think about it and just playing. And uh, you know, they, they've played hard under Tockett. There's, there's no question about that. Whatever he's telling them, it's, it's clearly it's resonating with them. 
Uh, it is uh, a couple of other things. Uh, yesterday, Robbie Fabry left that um, uh, left that game. Uh, geez, you hate to see it. The, uh, the yeah. win over the Chicago Blackhawks, four to three, and you know Robbie Fabry takes the hit. It's to the knee. He hobbles off. He's not at practice this morning. Like, yeah. A waiting word here from the Detroit Red Wings. He has a history of knee problems. No real question here, other than just bluntly, this sucks. It it just sucks for Robbie Fabry. Yeah, it does. I I I can I completely agree with you. I mean, I you hope for the best. You know, that's that's all you can really say. I mean, the guy. I watched that little documentary they put together of his recovery. So good. And it yeah, it was really, really it was really well done. And uh, you know, sometimes sometimes life stinks, and this is one of these cases if it's a big problem. Yeah, um, let's go to a good news story quickly. And I want to come back and ask about um, David Quinn's fine uh, and Tony D'Angelo's suspension as well. But um, Chase Coward, Red Deer Rebels, netminder, give us the story. Yeah, so someone sent me this uh, the other day. So uh, it's, it's a really nice story. Uh, so Chase Cowan is a goaltender for the Red Deer Rebels in the Western Hockey League. And uh, last summer, he was invited to the Canadian World Junior Development Camp. He was one of the goalies for the team that just won the gold medal. And um, also, uh, he was invited to the Buffalo Sabres development camp. He's undrafted. He has not been picked by an NHL team. He's 20 years old. And unfortunately, I heard when he got to the Buffalo camp, he failed his physical there. And the Sabres did a very nice thing. They, they let him stay for the camp, but he, um, he couldn't play. And then, uh, the beginning of this year, Brent, uh, Brent Sutter who runs the Rebels, announced at the end of August that he wasn't going to be able to be part of training camp. And I'm not sure of all the procedures that he had done, but he had, like a lot lot of goalies, even younger goalies now, he had some serious hip issues, and he had to get some work done. And I'm under the impression that there were some doctors who told him that he would not be able to play again. Well, last night, about an hour before the game, the Rebels sent out a tweet that he was going to play, be activated and start. And they played Lethbridge last night and they won 2-1. I didn't see how many saves he had, but I noticed he lost his shutout in the last minute of the game shorthanded. I mean, how brutal yeah. is that? But, uh, but like, you know, that, it's a big comeback for this kid. Um, you know, like, like, sorry, what was the name of the goalie who, won, who started for Canada at the end, the undrafted kid who plays for Seattle, Jeff? Oh, hang on. I'll grab you that. Hang on. Well, what, 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 uh, like he, he's undrafted. And this kid, Cowan, yeah. is undrafted, too. And uh, so someone sent me the note. They said you should keep an eye out for this and because it's a great story. He's an undrafted player. And it, there were there, apparently there were Thomas Millich. Told, Thomas Millich. That's right. So he's Thomas undrafted. And, and this young man, Cowan, apparently some doctors told him his career might be over. And uh he refused to listen. Mm-hmm. He worked his way back, and he won a game last night. It's a great story. I'm very happy to hear. Now, did you see who scored the goal? No, I didn't. the shout-out. By the way, it was 20, it was 20, 20 saves. Uh, it was another Chase, Chase Pauls. Oh, God. <laughs> one, cha- of a, one, of the more, one of the more unique names, Chase Pauls, ruins it for uh, the Red Deer Rebels goaltender. But, yeah, 20 saves in a return performance. That's, that's real sweet for him. That's fantastic. Thank you for to Sam Cosentino for texting the name Millich. No texting and driving, Sam. Don't uh, don't get the ticket. Yeah, stop it. 
Thomas Millich. Uh, let me ask you about David Quinn, $25,000 fine for the outburst on the weekend. I think the big question we're wondering uh, about all of this is, why did it take so long? You know, I don't really have a good answer uh, other than, uh, I don't really have a good answer for you on that one, other than I think it's just been a bit of a crazy time. Um, but, you know, s- someone said to me the moment it happened, like I always use, I have now what's called the Brindamore meter. He's the guy who got fined. So I, I initially, a couple of years ago, so whenever I see something happen, I'm like, is that worse or better than what Brindamore did? So I, I figured it was coming eventually, and he, <laughs> he, he got it. Um, like I said, you know, I think Quinn is generally a guy who doesn't do that, and the year they've had, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. There's an outburst once. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, Dave Amber sent me a text yesterday that I got him fine because I wouldn't let it go. So I hope he really doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Expect an invoice from, uh, from the San Jose Sharks. Uh, uh, Two-game suspension for Tony D'Angelo for the Spear on Corey Perry. Not exactly a surprise here. No, I mean, that you can't do that. It's, it's that simple. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody should be surprised with that one at all. At all. Um, also, real quick, Cam Talbot, mid-body injury, three weeks for the Ottawa Senators netminder at a time they really can't afford, specifically after laying that egg against the Blackhawks. Well, you know, first of all, I'd like to say that, you know, it's already confusing enough with the upper body and lower body injuries that I don't know now if we mid. want mid-bo- mid-body injuries introduced to the lexicon. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, yeah. it's a shame. Um uh, it, it, you know, it, it's a shame for Talbot. It's a shame for the Sanders uh, because they could really use him right now. Um, I like the optimism of referring to the Hamburglar of uh, Andrew Hammond. Uh, I really like that. I think it's, it's hilarious. But, you know, yeah. I, I, I remember the line I've used it. You know, one man's injury is another man's opportunity, right? And uh, yep. that's the way that uh, Sogar and Mandelizzi have to look at it. And, you know, I think the other thing, too, is the Sanders just have to say, like, you know, the odds are against us as it is. Let's go out and play great and, and, and see what happens. Um, you know, Jeff, I, I wrote today about, you know, the, the Chikrin pick and your interview with Bill Armstrong and, and what it could mean. And, you know, someone just said to me, like, I agree with everything that you wrote in there for a change. But now, like, hmm. Arizona's looking at this and saying, maybe, you know, if, 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 if the goaltending leaks, it could benefit the Coyotes. So it just adds another layer to the whole thing. Um, you know, the one thing is, I think, you know, aside from the other night, they, they, coughed up a, uh, they, they coughed up a log. It happens. I'm sure they'll be better. But generally, the team's been playing very well. All you can do is control what you can control. And the thing that the Senators control is playing great. Uh, that's true. They're back in action tonight against the Seattle Kraken. That one at 10 o'clock Eastern. A couple of beauties on board, by the way, this evening. Bruins and yeah. Oilers. Evander um, Kane back. 7.30 on Sportsnet. Evander Kane is back, and the Boston Bruins continue to roll. Uh, also, a little bit later on tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern, the Colorado Avalanche taking on the Los Angeles Kings. That one is on 360. Earlier you mentioned the Preds and how they do have the games in hand, and they're starting to inch closer. You know, it is, and some may just call it like empty calorie time 
or, you know, BS part of the schedule, whatever. But um, the Preds are playing the Coyotes tonight. This yep. is one of those, and I know the Coyotes have played really hard, and we've talked a lot about Andre Tournier, their head coach, and how this team doesn't quit, and uh, some good performances from a lot of unheralded players, and everything around them is, you know, questioned, and everything around them looks, you know, uh, not NHL standard, but this team plays at an NHL level. Um, Preds and Coyotes. Again, I go back to the same thing I said about that Ottawa-Chicago game a couple of nights ago. If the Preds are going to do this, these are the games you got to win. I, I agree with you. You you can't you can't punt these games away. And you know it's it's kind of an interesting thing, Jeff. Everybody keeps talking about you know which teams have easy schedules, and it, a lot of it is Western teams because the West this year is weaker than the East. So people keep saying, "Oh, Calgary has an easy schedule, Nashville needs a schedule." And I said, "Well, that's because they're all playing each other, right?" Like, and and but yeah. I, it is kind of weird this year. Like we talked earlier in the season about how. Calgary and Edmonton were done early and the Rangers and the Islanders were done early and like a bunch of real rivalries were done early. And now look at these schedules late. Like, like I I think Calgary has like four games with Arizona and Anaheim. And I don't think they're the only ones like that, but you know, it's kind of interesting when you really look at it because of the way these schedules have been done, who's got who late in the season. It's, it's. I mean, this is a huge week for the Flames. They've got Arizona, Anaheim, and Ottawa. Like, this is, like, like. I mean, we all have seen what Ottawa's been doing, but, like, if you're Calgary, you're looking at that and saying, we got to get at least five out of six. At least. Yeah. Um, the quote-unquote winnable games, absolutely. And uh, as you mentioned, it starts tomorrow for the Calgary Flames against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, real quick, do you have a thought on Freddie Brathwaite, who goes in as a uh, emergency yeah. backup last night for the Henderson Silver Knights? Well, the, the first thing is, like, uh, the first thing I think of is I always remember the great Memorial Cup final between Oshawa and Kitchener. Uh, was Fred Brathwaite, was Mike, Mike Fountain the other goalie? Or Mike Torchia? Yeah, Which one so. was it? Oh, Mike um, Torchia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mike Torchia was the other. Like, yeah, you remember that game, and uh, what a uh, what a great game that was. Um, you know, I, I think you know the other. It's just first of all, it, you know, John Shannon was the guy who pointed out that it's not the only time he's done it recently. He did it a couple of years ago. So I think I want to see him put him in a game, like get him in there and make him make a save. Like that's what I, I want to see happen. <laughs> and you know, the other thing I just think is what the the other side means Aiden Hills hurt. Like Vegas and I yeah. mean goalies, they got what four goalies hurt right now? Like wow, it's it's crazy. Brathwaite, I think, um, is the only goaltender to score a goal in both junior and pro. Yeah, you he were scored the Manitoba that. Moose. He scored the Manitoba Moose and when he played junior Red Wings, and I think it was in the playoffs as well, I sent someone from that team a text, and I'm trying to get confirmation on it. When he was playing for the junior Red Wings, I think he was credited with one as well, who may be the only goaltender to uh, to do that. Score once in junior uh, and score once at the pro level, albeit the IHL with the uh, the former Manitoba Moose. Still pro hockey. Hockey League. Still pro hockey, man. Still playing, playing and, against pros. And uh, you know what this okay, means? Well, you know what this means too, Jeff? It means Jonathan Quick is going to get a run for the Golden Knights. Uh, I'm here for it. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you love that story? And then, and then wouldn't you love a Vegas Los Angeles playoff series? 
Come on. Yes. I, I mean, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Uh, although there's a lot of great matchups you'd like to see Vegas involved in for the uh, for some of the obvious reasons. Um, all right, great stuff, Fridge. We'll uh, we'll check you out later. Thanks, and great job on the uh, the latest blog available now at Sportsnet.ca. Well done as always. All right, take care, my man. Speak to you later. There he is, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, gonna head a break here. Also coming up on the program, should have mentioned this off the top. Uh, Andrew Raycroft from Nesson and the Morning Brew will drop by. It is the Boston Bruins and the Edmonton Oilers, as I mentioned a little bit later on. Thomas Hickey, uh, former NHL defenseman, now just killing it as an analyst with the New York Islanders. Uh, we'll talk about the Islanders and the Penguins uh, teams fighting for their wild card lives. Uh, but joining me next uh, from the NHL on Sportsnet and O2K's Sports Director of Player Development. He is Anthony Stewart, and he joins me in moments. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now.